You're listening to the Real Estate Entrepreneur Podcast with Terrence Murphy, where we cover sales, investing, and entrepreneurship with an emphasis on real estate. Each podcast, Terrence and his guests will bring you informative and inspiring information within the real estate industry. I'm excited, man, just to talk to you guys. I always try to talk about something new that I've never talked about because I never want you guys to feel like, oh, I already heard him talk about that. So anytime I do stuff like this, I always bring something that I've never talked about public. So today we're going to talk about emphasizing multiple income streams for real estate entrepreneurs because I always say you guys are not real estate agents. You are real estate entrepreneurs. All right. So we're going to talk about that today. Everybody good with that? It's going to be a real casual conversation. So I'm not going to even get into who I am and all that stuff because I feel like you guys already know me. We're always together in Clubhouse. But I did just pass a big milestone of $3 billion in acquisition and sales. So big deal. So big deal. And I only tell you that to say, like, there's a lot of hard work, a lot of grind, a lot of doors being closed, a lot of people telling me I couldn't do it. We couldn't do it, me and my wife, and we just kept pushing forward. And EXP, and I'm not saying this, if you're at EXP, you know, if you're not, I'm not trying to recruit you, but it's made a big change in our life. It's been life-changing for, for us running the brokerage. And um, thank you, E, for staying in front of me with this opportunity. And so I want to give love to you. Thank you, Ms. Murphy, for having my back, being my sidekick. So, And then thank you to all my leaders that believe in the vision. So when I pivoted the name from TM5 to the tribe. I wanted it to be this exact thing right here. So no matter your origin, no matter your religion, no matter none of that, like we are truly one tribe moving to a summit and a location together. So if you study tribes, right, everybody plays their role. Everybody does their part. Everybody has a mindset that I'm going to do my part, but I'm also going to do what's best for the group. And that's what I've tried to do as I've been leading you guys and what we've tried to do with the tribe. So that's the reason why we did that. So let's get right to it. So Real Estate Entrepreneur with Terrence Murphy was a podcast that I started about a year and a half ago. Some of you guys have heard the episodes. Some of you haven't. If you haven't, look it up. It's free. Uh, I just try to put out information because I'm telling you guys when I was depressed and paralyzed, if you don't know, I got paralyzed on Monday Night Football from the neck down and had to rebuild myself through neck surgeries, physical therapy, a lot of prayer and all those things. I looked for somebody to give me some inspiration some information, some encouragement, be my mentor. But everybody assumed that I was Terrence Murphy, this NFL football player, and I had it all figured out and everybody was helping me. Y'all ever heard of that situation where everybody thinks someone's helping somebody and no one's helping that person? That was my life. And so what it did is it, it turned me into an animal, which is fine. And one of the things that my mom taught me is never make excuses and never look for somebody to give you something you can go get on your own. And so that's the mentality that I have. But I'm very passionate about helping you guys have that information so that you don't have to hit your head on the same roadblocks that I did. So multiple income streams is no longer a luxury. It's a necessity. So if you're sitting in this room today and you have limiting beliefs, you came from this background, you came from this social economic status, you or from this culture, whatever it is, man, get rid of all that BS because truly God put you here at this time to break any generational curses in your way that's stopping you from being who you are supposed to be. All right, we're gonna start with that. So it's gotta be that one, right? So why not you? So if I ask you today, like you, it's gotta be that one who breaks those generational curses. So why not you? Like really, this room could have been filled with many other people, many other souls, but you're here today for a reason. And that reason is to walk away Change and different, and it starts in the mind. So I'm telling you guys, everything I'm going to talk about today is just like real talk, no fluff, stuff that you can walk away with and really say, okay, that makes sense to me, and I can make a change in the wealth gap, in the income gap, and I can go build my net worth. So no longer a luxury because it's a necessity. Okay, so we're going to talk about real estate investing essentials. 
mindset is the first part. If you can't envision it in your mind, if you can't dream it, if you can't see it, how in the hell is somebody else going to get behind it? So I always tell people, like my kids, I tell them all the time, it's called self-confidence for a reason. Self first. Never let anybody break down your confidence. You got to believe in your dreams first. If someone's in your life taking that energy away from you and hurting your self-confidence, you already know what you need to do with them. Displace. So it starts with the mindset because if you can't receive it in your mind, you will not be able to receive it in real life. A lot of you guys are talking yourselves out of the blessings that God is trying to bring to you because you haven't worked on the mind. And Jabari talked about it earlier because I say it a lot. Thank you, baby, for backing me up on that. (laughs) He said, amen. So mindset, it starts with, you know, really understanding what that's about. Like, that's really, really important. And so the key is do the hard work, not the hard work. Anybody can work hard, guys, but are you willing to do the hard work? Read the books, sit down and write out the notes, look at the limiting beliefs that you carry, not someone else, from experiences in life. Some of these limited beliefs we have started just with the way we were raised. It started with the way our parents talked to us. All these things are in our lives, but we're not willing to do the hard work. So we can't identify what's keeping us from elevating to the next level in life. And only you can do that hard work. Like as much as I wanted to help you, I still couldn't do it for you. You got to do it yourself. So do the hard work, not just the hard work. And then know your why. We all have different whys. Some people want to travel. Some people want to collect cars. Some people want start a ministry. Some people, whatever it is, that's your why. Don't explain to somebody about what your why is. It's yours, right? So they always say when God gives you a vision, right? It wasn't a conference call. <laughs> Everybody didn't jump on Google Meet. This isn't a Zoom link. This is me and him. Right. So you don't need to get everybody to like pat you on the back and say, congrats on that. This is for you. God told you what it is. So you just need to pursue it. All right. And then investment goals. What is that? Is it a certain amount of units? Is it a certain amount of income? Is it, hey, I want to use this to pay off my student loan debt? Whatever it may be, set the goal, write it down to make it plain. My mom always told me that. So at five years old, I wrote down my goals. I told her I was going to go to the NFL and I was going to go D1. And then in high school, I did a vision board and I found a vision board. My mom passed a couple years ago and she kept everything. She was a She kept everything. And I said it in a positive way. And I found my vision board from high school and everything that's on my vision board, I achieved. Not one that wasn't on there. So thank y'all. One of the things I even said is I want to go in the first two rounds of the draft. It had never happened from the area I'm from. And I went in the first two rounds of the draft. I even was so specific. I said, I want to run a 4-3, blah, blah, blah at the combine. I'm in high school, guys. Me going to the combine, running in front of owners and Jerry Jones and all those people. And I ran a 4-3 at the combine. So it takes time. It took me 17 years to achieve that dream. But that's the problem right now. People aren't playing the long game. So you got to play the long game in this game we call real estate entrepreneurship. So five fundamentals of truth investing. I'm going to speed up. And then the why behind multiple income streams. This is literally the playbook. This is it right here. So if you didn't hear anything else I said today, hear this quote. To become financially independent, you must turn part of your income into capital, turn that capital into enterprise, turn enterprise into profit, turn profit into investment, and turn investment into financial independence. So when you guys say like, how do I become financially free? How do I become wealthy? Like, how do I create multiple income streams? This is the play right here. No different than if we were playing football and I said, go to 15 yards and go right. You go to 10 and go left. You gonna score? Not gonna happen. I said, go right at 15. That's that's why y'all see us in the huddle getting into it. Bro, you're supposed to go right. You went left, right? Well, that's how we... Deal out. That's how we deal with it in real life. We're going 
12 yards and left and wonder why we're not getting the results. Follow the fundamentals. That's why, like, I tell people all the time, like, a lot of times people are trying to sell courses with all the Jets and the Lamborghinis and all that. I'm a fundamental guy. Like, I'm East Texas, like, born and bred, old school mentality, like, do everything the long way, the hard way. Because when you do it that way, nobody can break it down. It says in scripture, build something on what? Solid rock, right? And so that's what we can do here. So when you, when you, Ask me, like, when I'm always saying, like, you need a career and your money needs a career to become financially independent, it says you must turn a part of your income. That's where we go wrong. You guys think you got to turn your whole income stream into capital part. That means you got to start setting aside money to invest. So they always talk about the wealthy. Literally, all we do is take our income and put it right back into something else. That's how we're doubling up. Okay. So that's the game plan. All right. And then this is important for the tribe. Basically, there are two things in life that will determine the trajectory of your success. And it's in life. It's the people you hang around and the books you read. It's that simple, guys. You hanging around losers, at some point you become a loser. And I think a lot of times we are being loyal to people who aren't loyal to us. And I'll give you this. Anytime people start like shaming you for growing and elevating, it's because you're reminding them of what they're not willing to do, which is go up. Okay. So there's this story that talks about a crow jumping on an eagle's back, right? There's nothing that, t that attacks the eagle. It's one of the top predators, but the crow jumps on the eagle's back. Does the eagle stop and fight him? What does he do? He goes vertical. At some point, the crow's going to get choked out. He can't, he can't breathe at that elevation. So we have to elevate in order to go and achieve the things that God has put in our life. There's a lot of times we feel like discouraged because we're not walking in the abilities and the level in which God has called us to walk into. But you got to get rid of that heavy weight in order to go where you're trying to go. So real estate, know your why. This is simple. Let's talk about it. Net worth versus credit. Raise your hand if you've seen somebody on social media and no disrespect if you're in here and you do this. But if you've seen somebody on, <laughs> seen somebody on social media talking about 18 credit cards. Have y'all seen them? You can get this card, you can get this card, you get that card, get that card, get this card, get that card, get this card, and then you go. And it's like, that's the difference. And that may be an opportunity that you can leverage for now, but that's not a good long-term strategy, guys. I'm just going to shoot you straight. And I always tell people, when you hear about Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, Robert Smith, these guys, do you hear about credit? Do you hear about credit cards? Do you hear about income? What do you hear about? their net worth. So what happens is they don't teach us this stuff in school. So we're playing the game to be over here while the wealthy's playing this game. So Jabari said it again earlier. He stole another one of my stories. <laughs> but but if you play Monopoly and you just play to go around the board and only collect the $200, will you ever win? No, you have to buy stuff and you have to play the game the right way. So you guys, including me at one point in my life, was playing the financial game completely wrong. But that's what we were told growing up. You get cash, you go put it in the backyard in the hole. You put it under a mattress, right? From the hood, that's where I'm from. So we didn't know any different. Rubber band man is what we called it in East Texas. <laughs> so, I mean, if you, you know what that is. I ain't got to say, I don't have to say nothing else. All right? So the fundamental truth is this. What do you ultimately want? What do you ultimately want? And then what is true financial freedom for you? So I want y'all to take two seconds and, and write this down. What is true financial freedom for you? Before I give you, before I tell you what I think it is, just take 10 seconds. What is true financial freedom for you? What is that? Like really, what is it for you? And if, it, if you're having a hard time writing that down, that means you need to go do some what? Hard work. It's time. True financial freedom is being able to go and do whatever you want with whoever you want, whenever you want, for however long you want. There you go. Raise your hand if you wrote that down. Okay. We've been in clubhouse together too much. 
So when y'all all get to that point, call me because I'm trying to hang out with y'all as long as you can. Hell, y'all may already be there. Bring me with you. So let's jump right into this investment goals. Anybody know, you've heard me talk about this good debt versus bad debt. As you guys try to digest what that means, you have the Dave Ramsey people. You have the rich dad, poor dad people. There's a lot of different so-called leaders out there, and a lot of them are. But I'm telling you, figure it out for yourself. This is how you separate good debt versus bad debt. If it pays you, it's good debt. If it doesn't pay you, it's bad debt. So I know people who are like, well, man, if you buy a car, it's a depreciation, depreciating asset. As soon as you pull it off the lot, it's not worth anything. But I know people, some of my friends in Atlanta that bought 10 cars, have them on Tiro, it covers their note, and they cash flow every month. So then would, that, would those 10 cars be good debt or bad debt? Good debt, because it's paying them. But we see it as bad debt because it's a depreciating asset. This is going to be a debate. I'm, hopefully, I don't completely split the room. Is your personal home good debt or bad debt? I already knew it. I already knew it. Go back to the meeting I said earlier. Does it pay you or not? Raise your hand if you get paid by your house. We got one, two, three, four. Look, I knew that. I knew that. I knew that was gonna split the room. We can talk about that on Clubhouse on Monday, y'all. All right, and then obviously analysis and due diligence. Everybody knows what due diligence is. And then capital stack. Y'all know what capital stack is? Okay, so capital stack is how you're going to fund the property. And the more you elevate and buy commercial, multifamily, developments, you need to fill in your capital stack. So like right now, I'm working on buying a business that did $65 million in revenue. Well, in order to buy that, can I just show up and write a $65 million check? It probably doesn't make sense. So I have to create a capital stack in order to buy this business. Okay. And so some of it could be private equity. Some of it could be my equity. Some of it is bank loans, SBA loans, seller carrybacks, right? You get the seller to carry back some of the note. There's a way to structure this stuff and we can talk about it and I'm going to try to dive into some of it. But I want to give you guys this. That's the beautiful thing about real estate is there's always a solution to a problem. So I always say, you know, you got to be creative enough to find it, but there's always a solution to a problem. Don't let anybody tell you no. Okay. So start understanding capital stacks. When we talk about multiple income streams, the reason I'm not here today talking about selling more real estate, because we got that covered guys. Like we got the billion dollar agent master course. We're in Clubhouse. Like if you want to sell real estate, we have amazing brokers in here to talk in the room every week about how to sell more real estate. So I'm not talking about that today. I'm talking about how do we take the commissions and take a portion and go create more income streams. So here's five fundamentals of investing. And I want you to take a screenshot of that. I'll, I'll put this in. Um, yeah, I'll put it in workplace so y'all can have it if y'all need it there. So leverage, velocity of money, inflation, savers never win the money game and financial statement. Now, have you guys heard about any of this in school? Exactly. Right. Because they don't want you to know this information. Right. They don't want you to know it. They want you to keep doing what they told you to do. Get a degree, get a job, wait till you're 65, have a 401k, maybe retire, maybe work till we're 90. So leverage velocity of money, inflation, savers, never win the money game and financial statement. So this is an example of a capital stack. This is just a simplistic way of looking at a capital stack. So if you guys have invested in uh, GP deals, multifamily, they have a capital stack with visuals just like this. So leverage is, financial leverage is the use of debt to buy more assets. Leverage is employed to increase the return of equity. Now there's a thing called being over leveraged. That means you're just putting down 5% 
boom, 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 boom. You're doing the Burr method. You're pulling the cash right back out. You have no equity. That's when you get out of balance. So a good loan to value over time as you build your portfolio is 50-50. Now in the beginning, you're going to probably be at 20-80 or 75-25. You know, Y'all tracking with me? 20-80 means I put down 20%. I took debt out on the 80%. Y'all tracking? Okay. So on this, understanding leverage is assets, equity, and debt. Now the example I always give is that you guys can go buy a Starbucks right now. There's one for sale right down the street, actually. And the cap rate is 5%. So when you see cap rate and these commercial brokers make it look all complicated, it's not that complicated. I'm going to give it to you this simple. So the cap rate means the return on equity if you purchase that property. So let's say we bought, a, I'm just going to say a million dollar Starbucks at a five cap and I pay cash. What is my return on my million dollars? Anybody know? 5%. 5%. Okay. So if I buy that same Starbucks, million bucks, and I put down 200 grand, I get debt on the 800,000, right? Is my return going to go up or is it going to go down? It's going to go up. It's right there. So financial leverage is using debt to buy the assets to increase the return on equity. So because I only put down 20% versus a million dollars, my return is going to be higher on the same cap rate. Y'all tracking with me? Y'all with me? So that's where the wealthy use debt, right? And so I'm not going to get political because I, I hate politics. But if you've heard any interviews from Donald Trump, he's always talking about this. And I'm not going to get into yes or no about him right now. We can have that conversation another day. But the point is, he talks about buying big assets with debt. So he's playing the money game. Now, hear me. let me give you all this. When you listen to Dave Ramsey and he tells you no debt, pay everything off, don't take debt at all. And you wonder why your net worth isn't going up because you're not playing the money game. Guys, they took the American dollar off the gold standard in the what, late 60s, early 70s. When they did that, now, how can you save something if they're going to print another trillion dollars over the next 12 months? What happens when there's more supply? It dilutes the value of what? Our money. Y'all tracking? So if I'm trying to save something and they're printing more of it, it's diluting the value in my pocket. So then I have to do what? I have to use leverage in order to get a return. So when I first got into this at 22, like I told y'all, I was paralyzed, depressed. I had neck surgery, which is the scar on my neck. I have four screws in my neck. And I was trying to figure out what my life was about. And I just started reading these books and trying to figure it out. And from this point, like the bulb went off. I was like, I got a degree from Texas A&M. I don't know any of this shit. Yeah, for all the Aggies in the room. <laughs> and then obviously when I started going home talking about this stuff, people were looking at me like I was speaking another language. So then that's how I became a lone wolf. I was already a lone wolf, but I'm like, well, I'm just going to go at it alone. But now you don't have to do that because I'm giving you the roadmap and it's right here. All right, we'll keep going. That's leverage. All right, velocity of money. Velocity of money is the frequency in which one unit of currency is used to purchase domestic product goods. I'm going to skip all that. It's the number of times $1 is spent to buy something. So the key thing to this is the services per unit of time. So velocity of money means... Let's say I put that 200,000 into that Starbucks. That 200 grand is the same $200,000 I had. Let's say I refi out in three to five years. Once my loan to value is good, because we know commercial loans do what over time? Starbucks is paying me more rent every year. Now I'm creating more value. My NOI is higher. So I have more equity. I can pull my equity back out. Now that original $200,000, I can roll into another property. That's the velocity. That means it's moving from units. It's the same dollars that I had. Like if you look at the serial number on it, it's the same cash. I'm just moving it to another asset. Now, people call it the Burr method. If you do it too fast, you already know. If I go get in a Corvette right now and drive it too fast, what's going to happen? I'm going to crash. So make sure you balance it and don't do it too fast. You got to know when to do it. And then that's how I create velocity. Now, last thing, that same dollar, did I have to work for it again? You didn't have to work for it again. That's the correct answer. 
You don't. It's the same dollar. So for all you guys that are going out saying, I got to sell my way into financial freedom. Do y'all see what I'm saying? So you put this group of agents, 10 agents over here who are just selling millions of dollars and not putting it in the assets. They're going to keep chasing the next listing. You give me 10 more agents on this side of the room. We're going to sell half of what they're selling. We're going to take a part of our commission and go invest it. I guarantee in five years, our balance sheet will be way more than theirs because we're playing, we're running the right plays. So that's the velocity of money. I'm just throwing this stuff at you guys because I don't want y'all to just keep selling more fucking real estate. We need to go invest and we need to create multiple income streams. So understand the impact of inflation. Now, if y'all were in Clubhouse two years ago, y'all heard me singing from the rooftops about inflation and everybody was kind of laughing me out of the room. And we hear you, Murph, you're on another rant. What the hell did I say? 8%, almost 9% last year. If you just saved all your commission last year, you lost almost 10% on your money. If you take every person in this room, you take our total sales. I think as the tribe, we were at about 350, 400 million in sales last year. Do that times 0.0275%, which is a lower commission rate than 3%. If you take $400 million of real estate, let's just say times 3%, look at how much money that is, right? Stay with me, hang in there, right? And if we just all saved it, 10% eating away, that commission, which was millions of dollars, would go away. What sense does that make? Why are we out sacrificing our time with our family, working on Sundays and Saturdays, working after hours, showing in this fucking heat right now? It's a grind. Why are you doing that if you're not going to take the original quote that I said and take a portion of your commission and turn it into capital? Y'all with me? That's why you're sacrificing. And I'm giving y'all the game. Like I'm telling you, nobody's talking about what I'm talking about. Go find it. Look on Instagram, anywhere. They're not saying, they're not putting it in this position because there's nothing sexy about it. Like, I'm not trying to sell courses. I'm giving y'all the real game to build wealth, okay? All right, good debt versus bad debt. Investments and liabilities, I don't have time to get into that right now. But the key thing is understand what a liability is, understand what an asset is. You can't save your way or sell your way into financial freedom. Because a lot of times people, if I would have asked you guys, I could have set y'all up, but I didn't do it to you. But I could have said, who in here believes you can save? And there would have been a bunch of hands raised. Then I would have said, who in here thinks that you can sell millions of dollars and that'll make you wealthy? I guarantee people would have raised their hands. And then I would have told you, you can't save or sell your way into financial freedom. All right. So I'm almost done. Y'all hang in there with me. But look at the American dollar, the purchasing power. What's happening to it? It's a fiat currency. Y'all know that, right? Fiat currency meaning it's backed by debt, not by gold, not by a tangible asset. And so as it goes down, you got two options. One, you can go out there and work another 80 more hours a week and try to keep selling more real estate because that's what real estate agents always say. Well, next year, I'll just sell more real estate. You can't sell your way into financial freedom. And that's why I'm telling you guys, if I get hit by a truck tomorrow, y'all carry on my legacy. I'm telling you guys the real game and y'all got to be able to tell people this because they don't know. They're just chasing more sales. They're chasing more designations, ABRs and SRSs and all that BS that our clients can't even read anyway. (laughs) they have no clue what any of that is and i was hey i have it all don't get it twisted i'm in the same boat with y'all i'm not here talking to y'all like y'all over here and i'm over here i'm in the same bucket i'm a real estate agent too so i'm just telling you the game though financial statements this is simple these are statements that outline an individual's assets and liabilities to reveal their net worth so it's assets minus read it for me i'm gonna make y'all stand up in a second assets Minus liabilities. All right. So we got to understand that because that's how we're going to reveal our net worth. And then guess what? If I'm doing an activity, let's say I'm investing in some asset class. And at the end of the year, I look at my net worth. Did it go up or down? If it went down, 
I probably need to do something else. When I read this in a book that the wealthy look at their financial statement once a week, I started doing it. I didn't have a financial statement at the time. I was like, what the hell is that? I'm going to look at it every week, though. Literally. So then I created one. And guess what the assets? Wasn't a lot of assets on there at the time. But I just start looking at it every week. Ms. Murphy can attest to it. And then I slowly stopped looking at it every week. And then, but they said, like financially wealthy people look at their financial statement every week. So I started studying. And then you know what? What you give attention to and energy to what? Grows. Man, why didn't somebody tell me that when I was like 12 years old? But my kids, I'm already putting them on game. And we got some little animals we're raising at the ranch for sure. So growing up, sports, our grades was how people measured us, right? Oh, you're an all-A student, or you're a great athlete, or you're a great musician. And then we went to college, and how do we get measured? Degrees, PhDs, right? Guess what? How do people measure us now? It's that simple. This is the instrument that you get measured by. When you go to a bank and you say, I want to buy this business, or I want to invest in this asset, they don't ask you what your grades were at Texas A&M. <laughs> Have you been asked that? <laughs> Never. When you want to buy a business or you want to buy something, they could care less about your GPA. They want to look at your tax returns, your financial statement, a cash flow statement. And then if you're buying an asset that's an apartment or something, what's the business plan? So we got to stop playing this game that we, I'm giving y'all, like y'all, y'all, when y'all walk out here today, you have no excuse. So if you get in a clubhouse and you say something, I'm, I'm going to tear you up. <laughs> get ready. I'm going to tear you up because you heard it today. I'm going to get after you. So this is now how you measure. This is how you measure. And, you know, obviously there's one thing that nobody can defeat, which is God is going to call everybody home. That's just a part of life. And a lot of times, what am I leaving for the next generation? Now, we need to enjoy it ourselves. But what am I leaving for the next generation? Am I leaving assets or liabilities? And you guys have all had a family member who's passed and left you liabilities. And that's heavy. It's already tough mourning them. And then you got to deal with all that. So... What are you leaving behind? What legacy are you leaving? Net worth is the single most important financial metric that one can track. It's more important than a person's salary or monthly budget. Why? It represents the sum total of your entire financial life, reduced to a few numbers. It shows all the assets you've accumulated over your lifetime. It shows you all of your current debts. And the difference between is your net worth. The key to financial freedom and great wealth is a person's ability or skill to convert earned income into passive income slash portfolio. Now, I'm going to give you all a, a personal story real quick. When I made it to the NFL, I was around the best of the best, truly the best athletes in the world. We don't get the credit for how fast we're moving and how physical everybody's playing. It doesn't look like that on TV. But if you get out there and put the pads on, you will recognize it really quick. And the doctors, the staff, the nutritionists, it's truly the best 1% in the world. But the thing that really blew me away is how many of those people put that kind of effort into making the top 1% of something. And then they gave their money to a stranger and told them to manage it. So you guys are probably seeing like the Netflix broke series and those kind of things and people parade around the athletes that go broke and it saddens my heart because I know how hard they work to get to that level. So my encouragement to you guys is don't be those pro athletes. You guys have worked your ass off to become great real estate professionals, great brokers, great agents, selling millions of dollars of real estate. Take the same energy that you did to build your career in sales and put it into your financial career. Okay? So you have to have a career. Your money has to have a career. Hear me. You have a career. Your money has a career. If you try to be the career and be the money, you're always going to be chasing the next sale. Last two things. These are multiple ways you can invest 
Real estate asset types, residential, residential development, commercial, multifamily, self-storage, industrial, land. And then you need a career. I already talked about it. Creating passive income streams. This is real good. Entrepreneurship and business. I always tell you guys, when you move from that first quote and take a portion of your money and turn it into capital, buy two things. Buy businesses, buy real estate. Buy businesses, buy real estate. That is my playbook. That's the whole billion dollar agent model. Go learn how to sell a billion dollars. Take the money from the sales. Buy businesses, buy real estate. And here's how you value the businesses. EBITDA. Anybody know what EBITDA is? You were in accounting in college? There it is. If you were in accounting, I know you hated it just like I did. All right. EBITDA. Anybody want to tell me what EBITDA is? Earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. So that's how you value a business is you buy it on a revenue multiple or an EBITDA multiple. So if you guys decide to buy a business, I'll help you if you need me. Distributions is how you get paid once you buy the business. So a lot of times when y'all look at these people have these multi-billion dollar companies and you're like, why isn't he paying taxes? Because there's a way to hide it in the distributions because it's not earned income. So we can talk about that another day. And then SDE, which is seller discretionary earnings. Well, if it's discretionary, what do you think the seller's doing with it? Whatever the hell he wants. So that's why they're not being taxed, guys. But we're just out earning, 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 more earned income, more earned income. This is Robert Kiyosaki. I didn't make this quote up. You have to create an ability or a skill to convert earned income. When you figure that out, y'all all be wealthy. When you can convert earned income, it's a game. It's a wrap. That's it. I got time for Q&A. What are a couple books you have suggestions for to, get, to read to get started? Untethered Soul. Y'all know that was coming. Untethered Soul. And then this one is a good one. Why the Rich Get Richer. Why the Rich Get Richer. So I heard you say that a 50-50 leverage is a balanced and healthy, but you said starting off, we might be a little bit lower. Yes, ma'am. Five or 20. Why is the 50-50 the best way to go? And why would you start off lower if you want to stay at 50-50? Good question. So you're going to start off lower putting down 20% because you can buy more assets instead of having to put down. If you want to put down 50%, go for it. But put down 20 to 25, 20 to 35% is a really good way to start as you're investing and buying because you can still get a good return. And then the goal is for tenants to start paying down your note and it appreciates, which is called phantom income. Has anybody heard about phantom income? Raise your hand if you heard about phantom income. So that's called phantom income. That just means my debt was getting paid down by my tenant and the property was appreciating because the NOI was going up. So that's that equity in the middle that the government cannot what? Touch. Tax me on. Mm-hmm. So that's how you can build millions and millions of dollars on your balance sheet. And somebody's paying it down. It's appreciating. And you only put down 20 percent. Uh, so uh, can you give us a little of your philosophy on when and how to pick a coach? When and how to pick a coach? Financial coach or just coach in general? I would say when you pick a coach, find somebody that you can relate to. Find somebody who's actually done what they're said they're doing. You know, obviously after COVID, we had this craze where everybody wanted to be a consultant and a coach and a social media content creator and whatever, whatever. So find somebody who's actually done what you're trying to do and make sure that it's tangible what they're telling you because that's so important. I will never talk on something that I haven't physically or personally done myself. Whether I did a good, bad, or indifferent, I will not talk about it. That's where at times y'all have asked me stuff in Clubhouse. I'm like... I'm going to pass that question on because I'm not going to talk about it. It's not, it's not something that I've actually done. Even though I may have read 10 books on it, unless I've been in the game and ran the play, I won't talk about it. So my question is, if you're going to hire somebody as a coach, get tangible evidence that they've actually done what they told you they're doing. I think get a coach whenever you're ready. But as long as your heart is ready to receive it, 
and you trust them and you have a rapport with them and they have the track record and you're not, I would say you don't want to get, like I've seen people selling courses for like 50 grand. It's like, that's crazy. So you got to find something that's manageable too. Yep. I'm looking to purchase my first business before the end of the year. So in looking at the types of businesses, if you would have any suggestions, recommendations, type of businesses for my first, for myself, I came up with the number of a about 150 in seller's discretionary earnings as a minimum. But if you could talk to that process, particularly about the first one. The first one? Yes, ma'am. I would say what kind of, you know, going back to the original quote, how much capital do you have to put down? So really understanding that you don't have to tell me, we can talk another day. So how much capital do you have to put down? And then what kind of return are you looking? So remember the return changes when I put capital down. The whole purpose of buying a business is to get what back? my capital back. So I can take my EBITDA and divide it into my investment down. And that'll tell me how long it takes me to get it back. Does that make sense? So I look at my net income from the business. Let's just say I'm going I'm to put down a million dollars and the business makes a hundred grand a year of net income. It's going to take me 10 years to get my million dollars back. And that's if I don't grow it. See, that's where I can accelerate my return because I'll go in and grow the business. So instead of making a hundred grand, it is made every year. I'll get it up to 200 grand. So now I'm going to get my business. I'm going to get my investment back in five. So you can always speed the return up. That's why I like businesses because I can control the returns. Does that make sense? And then find something you're passionate about and then find something that isn't going away. Like I like buying 50 year old businesses because they're way older than me. And then I know they're going to be there. Yeah. But anyway, yes, um, I hear you speaking about putting your own money down, but what about using OPM? Because what if you don't have money to put down? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always say a good deal will always find resources. So, and here's a, I'm not going to get into it today. Y'all heard me talk about it. There's always two ways in order to create equity, sweat equity or check equity. So if you don't have the cash to put down, you got to do all the work. I had a real estate agent who brought me a deal and they're like, I want to partner with you, Terrence. I'm like, well, do you know how to develop? Do you have the drawings? Do you know what we can lease it for? Are you going to manage it? He's like, no, I, I was waiting on you to do it all. I was like, well, shit, I don't need you then. I'll just buy it and do it myself. So the purpose is to have either sweat equity or check equity. So you just got to decide if you're going to be the sweat, then you got to have it all written out. You got to have the bank lined up. You got to have the terms already negotiated, the LOI, like you got to do the legwork. So sweat equity versus check equity. Final question. What is the qualities that you look for in purchasing a business? Do you, besides a 50 year, do you look at services? Do you look at, you know, you know, what is it that you look at in terms of, mm-hmm. of what that quality is to even determine past the 50 years? Yes, ma'am. So I look at the EBITDA and then the revenue multiple that was on my slide earlier. I know I was blowing through. So right now I'm looking at businesses that are between one to 5 million EBITDA. Yeah. Find a category that you like. Well, it's on you. It's, it's, yeah. So you got to decide. So like for me, I was buying MEP businesses, so mechanical, electrical, plumbing, and then I would roll them up. The goal is a roll up strategy. So buy one then buy another and then start rolling them all under one brand. That's the way. All right, y'all. Thank y'all so much, man. Appreciate you. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of The Real Estate Entrepreneur with Terrence Murphy. Please subscribe on whichever platform you are listening and consider leaving a five-star review as that will help us gain traction and continue to bring you knowledge in the real estate industry. For more content, head over to TerrenceMurphy.com. 